welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting, and also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 69, Preparing Yourself for Turkey Hunting Season with John Vogel. And I am your host and the guy who came back from Nashville with some sort of sinus funk. And I kind of sound like George Zimmer, the former face of the men's warehouse. Not George Zimmer, man. That's a different topic for a different show on a different day. But George Zimmer is a guy in the commercials for the men's warehouse who used to say, you're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. So I sound just like George Zimmer today. Bad voice, squeaky voice, whatever it happens to be today, we're going to push through it. We're going to make it happen. The show must go on. Before we get started, though, I do want to read a review on iTunes from Daddy Bear 9 and Daddy Bear 9 says, Five stars. Great podcast. Last year, at the age of 34, I decided to take up spring turkey hunting. This podcast has been a huge help. Andy delivers top quality interviews, tips, reviews, and information. This is a great podcast, and I look forward to listening every week. Well, Daddy Bear 9 thank you for the kind words about the show, and thank you for listening every week. I greatly appreciate it. And I appreciate you taking the time to leave that review on iTunes. So, as I mentioned, I am back from Nashville. I had a great time there. It was very cold in Nashville this weekend. Temperatures in the teens for the lows, with the wind blowing about 10 to 15 miles an hour, made it much chillier. But it was warm and turkey-ish inside the Opryland Resort and Convention Center. I got the opportunity to meet a few people who have been on the show before that I've never met in person, like Brenda Valentine, Steve Hickoff, and JT Byrne. But best of all, I got to meet many of you guys who listen to the show, and that was a highlight for me. And I was surprised by how many of you guys stopped me because you recognized my voice. It makes perfectly good sense. I just never thought that you guys would be able to recognize my voice in hearing me talk with so many people around and so much noise going on. But I'm glad you did stop me because I really did enjoy meeting you and your spouses and your children. It was great. Now another thing I came away from the show with was some really good relationships with some great call makers that I'm happy to be partnering up with going forward. And I want to again thank Cedar Hill Game Call Company, 
Derby City Game Calls, Hanks Game Calls, Houndstooth Game Calls, Judgment Game Calls, Pollard's Elite Calls, and Roostum Hunting Products. Many of you guys have asked me to recommend call makers to you. And all of these companies that I mentioned make really nice looking and great sounding calls. Be sure to Google these guys and visit their websites. And if you buy something from them, please tell them you heard about them on the Turkey Hunter podcast. That'll just help to strengthen these relationships that I'm building with these guys. And that's going to help you guys out there with some promotions going forward as well. In fact, I've got one of those promotions for you that I'll tell you more about at the end of the show. So hang on for that. Speaking of very exciting things going on, I have a very exciting announcement for you guys coming up on next week's show. So be sure to tune in for that next week. Still on the topic of exciting news, one thing that I really get excited about at the end of the NWTF convention is that we are less than one month from opening day of turkey season. To be exact, we are 26 days, 8 hours, 40 minutes, and 0 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season. The weather for the remainder of this week reeks of turkey season, and that's not going to help this itch of mine any. In fact, I'm headed to my hunting camp this weekend to do a little scouting, and I'll have a report on that for you guys when I get back as well. Okay, so let's get into this week's show. This podcast, as you know, is all about making us better turkey hunters. And today's show is no different, even though it is an unconventional topic for a turkey hunting podcast. And I'm sure there are tons of podcasts out there related to this very topic. But because it's something that I believe in, I wanted to cover it in a show leading up to turkey season. Because now is the time for most of us to be concentrating on this to get ready for our upcoming season. Today, I have a friend of mine named John Vogel on the show with us to discuss how a properly structured exercise routine can make us better turkey hunters. And during the interview with John, I share a story about how being in better shape helped me on an out-of-state turkey hunt. But I want to share another story with you after the interview. Hopefully, my voice will hold up for it. You know, I always love story time. So let's get right into today's interview, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. I am pleased to tell you that I have on the line with me a friend of mine, John Vogel. And John is going to help us out with something tonight that is not your typical turkey hunting topic for a podcast, but I think it's very important. It's something that I personally take pretty seriously and is something that I do so that I can be a better turkey hunter. And I have tricked John into coming on with us to help us out with this because John is a trainer with Iron Tribe Fitness. And John, thank you for coming on the show. How are you and where are you today? Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me, man. Glad to be here. Glad to uh, maybe offer a fresh perspective and a unique topic for for your uh, podcast today. So I'm doing great, and where I am currently is in the uh, living room of my house. All right. So you were in Birmingham then? Yes, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. So I work with Iron Tribe Fitness, and uh, our original location was here in Homewood, Alabama. And we've expanded to now six corporate locations in the Birmingham area, and we have 40 across the country. Okay. Fantastic. Is it mainly a regional company or is it spread 
pretty well around the country. You know, I would say that the majority of the footprint is the southeast. So, I mean, you know, we have six here in Birmingham, but we also have, I think there's like four or five in, in Nashville. And then there's a few in Atlanta. We even have a couple of corporate stores in Atlanta. But we, I mean, we have them as far south as Naples and Miami, all up the east coast in the North Carolina and the Raleigh area. We even have one that's open in Seattle. So, and then a couple in Texas and one in New Orleans. So, there, Google it, man. There's, there's probably bound to be one near you somewhere. Yeah. So, this is a growing company. Yes, sir. Good deal. Give us a little bit of background on the company and then also tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the fitness industry. Sure, sure. So uh, a little background on the company, it was started by Forrest Walden in 2010, and I actually met Forrest about 10 years ago when he brought Fitness Together. It was a one-on-one personal training franchise facility to mm-hmm. Birmingham, to the Alabama, actually to the Alabama territory. So I met him a long time ago through Fitness Together. Um, and so we both worked, obviously, we, we worked there and I worked there as a trainer. And Forrest sold the rights to that, and he was doing some mission work, a company called Never Thirst. But, you know, fitness was always just a big passion of his. He got to working out in the garage with his neighbors and some friends and some some other people that he knew. And, you know, he was doing a different style of workout than what we used to do at Fitness Together, which it it was back then it was kind of blending. It was just really more of just weight training and then cardio kind of two separate things and kind of an old methodology, more bodybuilding style methodology of training back at Fitness Together. But the style of workout that he was doing was high intensity, functional movement, very little rest, blending, things like weightlifting, but also body weight movement and running, that kind of stuff. And doing it at a fast pace with very little rest to not only build your stamina and build your cardiovascular strength, but also to build your, your muscles and build a really strong body. And when I say functional movement, I mean things that you do in everyday life, natural movement, stuff like picking stuff up off the ground, pressing, pulling, those kind of motions. And so right. that methodology, methodology of training very effective and it created just dramatic results not only with him but also the people that he was training and you know because he had his background in fitness you know he really just he was itching to get back and do it and so he opened up the iron tribe concept here in homewood back in 2010 and it just exploded and so you know but what we saw with the model that some other people were doing. It just wasn't an extremely professional model. There really was, there's no consistency to the experience that you get when you walk in one facility versus the other because a lot of people offer group training and a lot a lot of people offer like functional fitness and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but you just don't get a consistent professional experience. And so Forrest's vision was to create that professional experience, but also create it with a, you know, a strong community bond. And, you know, so the strength and conditioning program is just bar none the best on the planet. I mean, you're not going to get better results from anything else. But on top of it, you also have the the magical part of it, which is the community and the people there. And so we're, we're blending kind of group training and personal training all together because we cap classes at 20 and there's always two coaches on the floor at all times. And we buffer it with a month-long beginner course in which we teach you the foundation of nutrition and we teach you about how to scale all the movements according to your abilities and then how to deal with the ins and the outs and then get a lot of practice, get 
a lot of education. So no matter if you're in Miami, you're in Birmingham, Nashville, wherever you go, you're going to be doing the same workout, you're going to get the same experience, and you're going to have just an amazing community around you at Iron Crab. So that's kind of the methodology and a little bit of uh, the history of it a little bit. I got involved, obviously, you know, with Iron Tribe through Forest. I was kind of capped out where I was as far as personal training goes. I said, hey, man, we're always looking for good people. And I took that as a sign, and I submitted my resume, and, man, it's been a great decision. So now I manage the Highway 150 location, and I've been there for three years since we opened it up. And, man, I love it. I just get to connect with people and challenge people and see lives get changed every day. So, Yeah. What got you into fitness? Well, I would say that, you know, growing up, I was always in athletics and you don't really, I guess you don't really understand and appreciate the exercise portion of athletics because you're just a kid and you're, you're always fit and you're always doing all that kind of stuff. But after I graduated high school, I was pretty sedentary. I mean, I, I didn't do much. I, you know, dabbled with going to the gym a little bit here and there. I moved down to Birmingham in, in 2004 and for a year, just kind of didn't do a whole ton, tried to make it to the gym here and there, but once I finally made the commitment and started doing it consistently, I just noted such a dramatic change in how I felt emotionally and, you know, it was kind of like I was clear, I felt like I had more energy and so I just made it a habit that no matter what I was doing, instead of going home, sitting on the couch after a long day of work, I would just go grab my stuff and go straight to the gym and once I built that habit I was like, well, I really like being in the gym how could I blend the two, like, you know, how could I, how could I work there. Like that would be awesome. I saw people yeah. that work there and you know, then I then I could just be around it all the time and I looked into personal training and what it took to get certified to do that. So anyways, looked into all that and eventually got my certification and started working. My first job was at Fitness Together. So that's ten years ago. Yeah, that's a good story. You know, I think that there are many people who don't really understand how getting in better shape can benefit them and make them better hunters. And I've experienced this myself, so I know what it can do for you. But can you explain some of the general benefits that weight training and cardio can give us while we're in the woods? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was actually having the conversation discussing this podcast with somebody earlier today. And, you know, before modern weaponry came around, if you were not in shape, you did not eat. It just, it was like that. And so, you know, pretty much the elements are what kept people really fit and in shape. And and that's how they were able to hunt. And that was just how the lifestyle was. But obviously our lifestyles are a lot different and rifles become more powerful and hunting becomes easier and more accessible to people. And so the physical prowess that you have to have is not as much as it used to be. But if you can take the, the science and, and the technology that we have with hunting and blend it with an extremely strong, resilient body, then your your hunting becomes so much more effective and you use less energy and have much better results. So. I mean, there's all kinds of studies that would show you uh, that just even exercise is not only good for your, your overall physical health and your heart and stuff like that, but also building a strong, balanced body will help with, you know, if you're a bow hunter, it'll help you, you know, stabilize. I also talk to people, you know, a lot of pulling motions and, and things like that, and, and weight training will also help you being able to pull the bow back and, and, and hold back, but also setting yourself for a shot. And so I, I got some testimonies of some hunters that go to Iron Tribe, man. I can I can read those for you because they they're powerful, man. Yeah, 
Yeah, do that. Yeah, so um, one comes from Scott Trigg, and uh, Scott Trigg, he started with us in April of 2013, or, uh, yeah, 2013, and he lost 50 pounds within five months just coming in three days a week and eating right. Wow. And he says, because of ITS, I can hang a stand anywhere, drag a deer anywhere, and do anything I want with these. I climb a tree without breaking a sweat. So he's had some pretty awesome results. He told me that, you know, he could pull up a deer in the back of the truck, no problem. This one from Greg Micus, he says, after one year of doing iron travel, I was able to drag a 155-pound eight-point I shot with my bow out of a hardwood bottom almost 150 yards. Prior to iron travel, I would have had to wait two hours for another man to come help me get a deer out. I mean, how empowering is that, to be able to just yeah. pull your own deer out, not have an issue with it, not have to call somebody else? I mean, man, we should be able to handle what we kill, you know? No doubt. No doubt at all. My favorite testimony, though, comes from Tyler Threadgill. And um, so Tyler joined up. He was one of our very first members. You know, he's a Mississippi boy, and uh, he's hunted his entire life. But he said, I went on a spot and stock hunt in Nebraska my first year at Iron Tribe, and it was actually quite funny. Members of our party would stop or pursue the deer through fairly rough terrain with eight inches of snow at negative 10 degrees of the high all week. Everyone but myself missed their buck. I was thinking about it afterwards, and I realized that they had been breathing so hard and exhausted from the stock and rough terrain that they couldn't steady themselves for the shot. Yeah, yeah. That really is one of the first things that I noticed in my own ability was it was about, gosh, it's probably been 15 years ago. I went on a, it was actually my second out-of-state turkey hunting trip. I went to northwest Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And when you think of Nebraska, you don't think hills, you think plains, but there are hills up there. And me and one of my hunting buddies, there were four of us on this trip. Me and one of my hunting buddies were in pretty good shape. And we were able to maneuver and, and get up and down these mountains. I'm going to call them mountains now because around here in the Birmingham area, a thousand foot elevation change is a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> So we were able to climb these mountains and get up to the top of the mountains where the turkeys were very easily. Two of the other guys on the trip had not been working out and were not in good shape. They were constantly behind us. I mean, 10 to 15 minutes behind us getting up to the top of the hill. And they were out of breath when they got there and they were just, the trip physically wore them out. And that was very eye-opening for me. And I thought, you know, that's been a big driver for me going forward and being able to to continue working out because you know I pretty much do almost everything that I do with hunting in mind. I right. work so I can hunt. I do all the other things that I do during the day that are associated with work so that I can produce income so that I can take off when I want to take off and go hunting when I want to hunt. So Working out and staying in shape for me was just really part of, or is part of that equation now, and I don't give it any other, you know, I don't give it a second thought, really. But turkey hunting in and of itself can create those physical conditions and place physical demands on a body that we need to overcome in order to be the best that we can be at the sport. And one of those things is lack of sleep and just general fatigue from getting up every morning very early hours while we still take care of all the other responsibilities that come along with life, being family and work. What do we need to concentrate on in a workout program to help us with that lack of energy and fatigue that we're going to feel while we're on a hunt or even after a string of several days of hunting? Is Mm -hmm. there some sort of like a, in a workout, 
itself or maybe say a week of workouts, is there a percentage of cardio versus weight training that you would feel like would really be best for someone who's looking for just that extra little boost to get them through the upcoming season? So, you know, there's a lot of thoughts on it and, you know, I can give you my opinion and, and yeah. what I've seen. And actually I say it 10 years, but it's been more than that of not only training myself, but training others, seeing thousands of people go through the program. There's really no magical combination. And what, what we found and what I see is, is, you know, with our program, it's kind of a broad general spectrum of training. It's not sport specific. So sport right. specific would mean like a sprinter only sprint. And that's the only yeah. exercise they do, but they found out that, you know, that's, that one, you have to train in that sport specific type of domain, but also getting broad general training outside of there is really, really important. And, you know, what we do at Iron Tribe is we blend not only strength training, so kind of like your more typical strength exercises like back squats and bench press and stretch presses with the barbell or even Olympic movements like power clean, stuff like that. We'll blend those things together with cardiovascular movement, mm -hmm. like running and rowing, but also body weight movement, like pull-up, push-up, things like that, and blending it into a quick, short, intense, you know, anywhere from 15 to 25-minute workout, you're getting all of those things at once. You're getting power, you're getting explosiveness, you're getting stamina, and you're building your endurance. I mean, we've, we've found, there was this guy, Brian McCarthy, he's a Boston Marathon qualifier. He, he just came as a marathon runner, but he started doing our program, and he's getting better times on his split because of what the program does for him. And so as far as like, you know, splitting up the cardio and the weight training, um, it's good to do both if that's all you have access to. But the, the brilliant part about kind of the style of training that we do is you're getting it all in one and you're getting it all in one plate. And our classes are only 45 minutes. You're in and you're out. You get warmed up, taught, everything. And so yeah. my recommendation for people that maybe don't have access to an iron tribe or anything like that is to learn those body weight movements and learn how to do them properly and effectively and even some weight training movement and blend it all together and move quickly and minimize rest. There's a lot of that will help you to get over that fatigue and tiredness and your recovery will become much quicker. So that when you do exert yourself a lot on a hunt or during a certain portion of the hunt, you can recover and come back and get your energy back up a lot quicker. Yeah. Do you recommend for those people who can afford it at least when they are starting a workout program that they work with a trainer Absolutely. just to get started out to learn the right movements and everything? Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, here's the thing. You know, you guys are spending as hunters thousands of dollars a year. I mean, really yep. thousands of dollars a year. And to use a little bit of those funds to put into your own fitness and your wellness and building a strong body, I always recommend it. You know, I don't know how, how uh, far the podcast reaches. So that's when I was saying, you know, hey, if you don't have access to it, but, you know, please, it's always the best that to have a trainer or somebody there coaching you along to make sure that you're safe and to provide proper progression. I would never yeah. recommend jumping into, you know, just a workout regimen on your own and just going at it really hard. Never. I mean, I'm all about safety and all about progression and long-term sustainability. Nobody wins when somebody's injured, so. Yeah, that's true. Very true. And to answer that question mark that you had about how far this thing reaches, well, wild turkeys are pretty well contained to North America, but there are some in New Zealand. And I've got listeners in just about every state in the U.S. 
in Canada and in Mexico as well. So we reach, podcast will reach a pretty good ways. So getting a little bit more specific, you mentioned a few of the exercises that you do in a in part of your typical workout program. But as a turkey hunter, I try to concentrate on building my upper body muscles, the ones that I actually use. You know, I'm an old man. I'm not worried about going to the beach and trying to impress some pretty young girl out there in a bikini. So I'm not all that interested in how I look. I'm more interested in what I can get out of what I've got and these old muscles that I have. Sure. So I'm looking to be able to do things like hold a gun up on my shoulder, aiming for a long period of time. And the average person wouldn't think about it, but an eight or nine pound shotgun, by the time you have shotgun shells in it, holding it up for two or three minutes, that's pretty tough. Absolutely. And so those are the kind of things that I'm looking to do. I'm looking to build those muscles, upper body. You know, I'm looking at maybe being in a a little bit of an awkward position, holding the gun or, you know, certain circumstances like that. So upper body things, working out your arms and your chest, your shoulder, your back, your neck. What are some of the exercises that you would recommend for doing something like that, for building those muscle groups? Well, anything involving the shoulder girdle is extremely important and beneficial to what you guys are doing. You know, push-ups are always a great one. They're always something you can execute at home. You know, pull-ups are huge. You want to be able to strengthen up those back muscles. The shoulder moves in a lot of different directions, and functional movement is going to have you just as strong in the pulling motions and just as, as you are in the pushing motions. Anything like a, a press overhead, like a dumbbell press or a barbell press overhead, very great movement to build up the strength for that. And then rows, if you can, like a lane row or even a dumbbell row where you're pulling the weight to your chest, squeezing and engaging those back muscles, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now let's talk about lower body a little bit. You know, I'm, as a turkey hunter, I log a lot of miles walking, carrying a turkey vest that probably weighs 10 pounds. And then I'm back with my eight or nine pound shotgun on my shoulder and I'm climbing hills. If I travel out of state, I'm climbing mountains and walking a long way. You know, I downloaded an app on my phone one time that tracked the distance that I walked. This is before Fitbits and all that were out. And I didn't turn it on and open the app every time that I went out and hunted, but I wanted to figure out roughly how much I walked during turkey season. And the best calculation I could come up with was 95 miles over about 45 days worth of hunting. Wow. So, and that's just hunting. That's not counting my walking around the house, my walking that I do just in the normal course of a day. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of walking carrying more weight on you than you normally do. What Mm -hmm. are some things that we can do to strengthen our body, our lower body? Well, I am a huge fan of squats and I'm a huge fan of deadlifts. Of course, those are both two things that you want to make sure that you're doing correctly. Yeah. But, man, I just can't tell you how much that that strengthens your body, but also your core. That's really, really important, you know? I mean, it's extremely important that you got your core engaged, that you're strong there, but getting those, those big leg muscles that, you know, have stamina and are able to carry you and carry the load over long distances, I mean, it's really important. The squat, deadlift, I also recommend lunges too, working single leg stuff. I mean, obviously, just about every step up a mountain is, some, is, a, is a form of a lunge to a certain extent. So, right, yep. yeah, all of those things are great. Yeah, okay. And, you know, I don't want to come off like I'm comparing turkey hunting to being a marathon or endurance runner because it's not. 
is not even close. It's its own type of fitness. It, it is. It is. And, you know, you can make it what you want to make it. If you want to go out in the woods with an empty shotgun, empty shotgun, and run to a turkey that's gobbling that's two miles away for your exercise, then by all means, knock yourself out. But if you want to sit in your golf cart and ride 100 yards away from where the turkey that was two miles away was gobbling and get out of your golf cart and take a leisurely walk about 20 yards closer and sit down, you can do that. So, I mean, you can make just about nothing out of a turkey hunt or you can make a lot out of it. But I know that I have, after eating certain foods, felt really good. I felt really sluggish. And yeah, I know you're not a nutritionist, but as a trainer and a fitness expert, you know what foods people need to eat, what their bodies are looking for when they're in those situations where they're under a little bit more stress than they are in an everyday situation. What are some of those foods that we should eat to get the most out of every meal that will kind of help out our endurance while we're on those long walks and long hunts? And on that same note, what would you recommend we avoid? Yeah, great question, Andy. So, you know, one of the big things that we we teach from the get-go in our program is nutrition because there's a lot of things, you know, abs are made in the kitchen, you can't out-train a bad diet, and all that is true. You know, for body composition purposes, I mean, 80% of what you you do is diet, 20% is your exercise. So, you know, body composition is important, but on top of it, it plays such a bigger role in how you are feeling on a day-to-day basis. I mean, you're talking about fatigue and long days and early mornings and all that kind of stuff. And the food that is going to give back to your body and give you the energy and the nutrients you need is going to be the most natural stuff. And I'm probably, you know, just just hitting a home run with hunters here. But any, as far as meat goes, the the wild caught, real deal meat is always going to be the best thing that you can have for you as far as protein goes. The, 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 The most, I mean, naturally sourced protein you can possibly get. And then as far as carbohydrates go, you know, a lot of times people think carbohydrate and they're like, oh, I don't eat carb, they don't eat bread or whatever it might be. But carbohydrate is pretty broad, but you do have to narrow it down to, to what you really think a carbohydrate is, which, I mean, it can be anything from fruits and vegetables to bread and even sugars. So mm-hmm. obviously, I mean, people know, yeah, don't drink soda, don't eat a whole ton of sugar. But, you know, it's really good to eat the fruits and the vegetables in abundance because those things are... They're very high fiber and they have a lot of nutrients and they give back to your body. And you can also eat a lot of them and they're not extremely calorically dense, so they don't necessarily add weight to your body either. Having the surplus of calories is what causes weight. And, you know, obviously if you're walking around, you don't want to be carrying too much extra weight on your body right. if you don't have to. But also on top of it, the sugary foods and the high starchy foods like breads and pastas and, you know, some grains and things like that, what they do is they cause a big impact fight and that initially gives you that energy but on the way down that's what you got to worry about is that crash and that crash is, is way worse than than you can imagine i mean that's what causes yeah. a lot of fatigue and when you get that over the course of time then you start getting like patterns of fatigue and people are tired they always talk about the 230 slump in the afternoon and stuff like that because the standard american diet is full of bread processed foods grains things like that and i'll just tell you andy everything is marketed to you as healthy. I mean, Doritos, right. they, say, they say no trans fat. 
They say yeah. no trans fat. Well, you know, of course, it's going to be marketed to you as healthy. But the more natural you can eat and the more real stuff, like if you can pick it or you can kill it, that's usually something that's good to stick to. So, you know, as far as carbohydrates, I would, you know, stick with the fruits and vegetables as much as possible. Potatoes are okay, especially if, you know, if you got a long hunt and you need the energy. Potatoes, maybe even a little bit of white rice from time to time to give you a little bit of extra energy. And in some cases, I do recommend oatmeal. But we like to stick to the paleo diet, and that's all to work for our people, modify, of course, you know, of course, there's people's needs. You know, some people have aggressive weight loss goals, and so we say, hey, stick to the, right. the paleo diet. And then some people who are trying to gain more muscle weight or, or who are very active or naturally thin, sometimes that's when we add in the grains like rice or, you know, we have, have them do starches like potatoes and stuff like that. But those are all the foods that are going to give you good energy over the course of time and not rob energy from you eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So I've got a follow-up question on that because you have told me something that I didn't know, and I'm a little bit concerned about this. Did I hear you say that Doritos are not healthy for us? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'm just going to leave that one open. I'm going to leave that one open. Okay. We're all adults. Here. But, uh, you know, I, I, I tell people this because the diet's a real sensitive thing. You start telling people, like, you know, yes and no on the diet stuff, you also got to preface it with the fact that we also, we live life. We want to enjoy life. We want to yeah. knock a cold beer back from time to time. And those things as reward or as sporadic stuff, that's fine. You know, it's life. We got to live it. It's fun. But you also, I mean, it's discipline. And you know it as a hunter. And you, you, you said it with, you said that, hey, man, you're working out and you're putting the time in and you're putting the diligence in. And so what you do consistently is what's going to change your body. And so if you're eating poorly consistently, it's going to rob you of energy and it's going to keep extra weight on you and it's going to eventually make you very unhealthy. But if you eat consistently well, then, hey, you've had a long week or your football season and you want to enjoy yourself for a meal on Saturday night, then go ahead. Yeah. Are there any kind of snacks or supplements that we could take with us that you would recommend that would be good yeah, nutrition absolutely. for us and be lightweight and compact and all that other stuff that we need? Sure, sure. So I always recommend, as far as snacks go, especially if you're just kind of like, you know, you put the pack down for a little while and, you know, you're going to be out there for a while. You, you, the, the idea would be to not just get a small little snack, but to kind of get a small meal and all of the macronutrients in one. And what I mean by macronutrients is carbohydrate, fat, and protein. So ideally a good snack, maybe, you know, obviously you don't have refrigeration, but I, I cured meats are good. Like, you know, some salami, like when I go on road trips, I'll have like salami, I'll have an apple. So I have my carbohydrate there and then I'll have some nut butter to put on the apple. So I got my fat and then I got mm -hmm. my carbohydrate in the apple and then I have the salami for my protein. That's always a good little snack. Carrying fruit, nuts, cured meats, or even a, a protein shake that you can shake up or, you know, mix with water and shake up, that's always really good. Because yeah. if you just kind of eat sugar out there, and when I say sugar, I mean, you know, fruits or something like that, and you just eat sugar, it still will cause some of that insulin spike and then drop you off eventually. So that's why you want to layer it a little bit, because carbohydrates are going to break down the fastest, then fats after that, and then protein. So that's why, you know, when you eat protein, you feel very full. So if you can get a carbohydrate, yeah. a fat, and a protein, you're going to have longer, more sustained energy. So it can give you that energy for your for the, the, the hunt that you're on. Okay. Then we've talked about food. What about staying hydrated while we're out there as well? Because that's a struggle, especially down here in the South, when there have been several years when March the 15th, opening day rolls around, and it is 85 degrees out. And 
this little boy right here sweats like crazy. Yeah, yeah, so sure. I've got to I've got to keep myself hydrated out there, and I'm probably not doing the right thing, but I'll take those. Uh, what are they called? Like a Capri Sun, those little drink pouches. Mm-hmm. I'll take those with me because they're compact and not as noisy as a water bottle, plastic water bottle. But I'll take those things with me. But that's probably more sugar than I need to take in out there, isn't it? Yeah, it probably is. I mean, so hydration is as important as you think it is. I mean, you know, the ideal hydration is to every day, this is without working out, is to get half your body weight now. So if you're out there sweating it, like in the summer, man, I mean, it's nasty. I mean, you really need to get more than that. You probably need to drink yeah. your body weight now. And as far as content goes, I mean, dehydration happens. You need salts. I mean, Gatorade was Gatorade was, was made to give you the ele- electrolytes and the salt back. But, you know, if you're having salty salty food or cured meats and water and, you know, maybe put some lemon in that water or even, like, mix the Gatorade a little bit, mm-hmm. like, kind of dilute it, that should, that should, that should be good for you. I mean, you just got to you got to make sure that you stay hydrated out there and that you're eating a well-balanced diet. And if you're doing that, those two things, you should be good to go. But yeah, Capri Sun is probably just a lot of excess sugar that you don't need. So I would stick with the water, um, you know, maybe drink a little bit of Gatorade, but cut it uh, and just kind of try and keep it more water. Or maybe throw a couple lemon salt in that water and that'll help you out. Okay. So I'll probably need to invest in a Camelback or one of those little type of drinking whatever you want to call those things, the plastic or rubber bladders that you can put liquid in and not noisy like a plastic water bottle is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Camelback would be a great investment. Okay. All right. So we've talked about some exercises we can do. We've talked about some food that we can eat. We've talked about drinking, staying hydrated. What we haven't really talked a whole lot about is getting to that point and I can remember when I started exercising that, man, I wanted to quit. I really, there were days when I was like, this crap, why am I doing this? This is killing me. This is not helping me. Yeah. And we need to really push ourselves mentally and push ourselves physically while we're at the gym so that we can have that reward when we go out and not feel beat just by going out and walking three or four or five miles on a turkey hunt on those days when the turkeys are not playing fair and we have to cover some ground to get to them. So what can we do at the gym to really kind of push us mentally to get us over that hump and and so that we can get where we need to be physically? Well, a lot of that mental fortitude, it's, it's intrinsic, Andy. I mean, it's, it's really something that probably has developed in other points in your life. You just have to yep. learn how to apply it to the exercise. Because if the why is strong enough, you'll figure out how. And if you want to become a great hunter or you want to become great at anything, you know, you will survive the uncomfortable to make it happen. I mean, if you want the rush that killing that turkey has and you are committed to it, then you will survive the uncomfortable waking up at three in the morning, getting out there, being in the freezing cold, whatever it is that you got to do. You know, all the off-season stuff and the planning and the preparation, all of that comes. And so you just have to, you have to put the gym in there and treat it like it's part of the process, you know? And you yeah. just got to drill it. And, you know, nothing is easy at first, but it's the small little choices that you make and committing to that process.
process, like I said, to just show up and to be there. Like once you walk through the doors of wherever it is, like I don't, I don't always don't recommend people work out in their home. There's very few people that have the discipline to do that. You make yeah. a commitment to walk into the doors of a gym someplace, wherever it might be, or an Iron Tribe, and get in there. I mean, you will do the work once you're there, but you just have to get there. And, you know, the first 30 days, I know they say a habit is, you know, it takes 30 days or whatever to make a habit, but it really doesn't. It takes a lot longer. And you have to survive for a few months, and eventually your brain starts to change. I mean, there's so much science behind it. Your brain starts to change, and that's when you become a different person because of what you're doing. And so it's it's the commitment level, and I'm sure that there's a bunch of people here that are, you know, listening to this that are very, very committed people. And just changing the perception that it's just exercise or it's just I got to lose 5 or 10 pounds and adding it into this is what I need to do to get me to where I want to go to be the hunter that I want to be so yeah yeah that's really what keeps me going is that end game even when it's June and turkey season is 10 months away um what's going through my mind is I've got 10 months to get in better shape because I'm doing it for turkey season of course it helps me out with everything else that I do yard work in the summer well you know building something walking to and from the truck yeah. for you know to and from work that kind of thing so i mean it really does help with everything but it is that why that does keep me motivated and that and the why is the turkey hunting yeah so yeah well we've talked about weightlifting and that kind of thing are there some things that we can do whether it's before a hunt or even before the season starts to kind of increase our flexibility and mobility that you would recommend because I have caught myself in some extremely awkward positions while waiting on a turkey to show up or you know basically turning my head I feel like an owl sometimes trying to turn it 180 degrees to look at that sound that, that I heard behind me when it wasn't supposed to be behind me it's supposed to be in front of me are there some things that we can do to help that yeah, and it's kind of hard to just give you an answer and, and have that kind of be a fix. But when we go back to talking about functional movement, things like, like natural movement patterns, things that you do in everyday life, pulling, squatting, hinging at the waist, pressing overhead, all that kind of stuff. When you practice those movements consistently, you start kind of unlocking your body. I mean, if, if, you, if you've always been doing that stuff, which most people eventually get to a point in their life where they're just sitting at a desk, and so their body kind of just locks up on them. But if you right. start working into the squats and, and those things that I was talking about, you begin to unlock your body to the point where you can mobilize your hip more. You have more flexibility in your knees and in your ankles. My wife, she's the yoga coordinator of her lifetime. I mean, she's been doing yoga for years. And I mean, that's a great physical discipline to help build your flexibility and stability. And because what, what the power of it is, is it's actively moving into those things. So whether it be just a squat or yoga or any of that kind of stuff, you're taking your body into these positions. A lot of times people think just stretching will do it but it doesn't cut it and especially if your body's not warmed up i mean isolation stretching or static stretching it's just it's very ineffective you want you want to be able to like move your body into these positions and so practicing those natural movements that's really what helps you build the strength and the mobility for everyday life yeah i am a huge fan of yoga this I is feel killing so me. I would have never, re- I would have never known this about you. Really? I didn't know you we haven't talked about that either. <laughs> yeah, you know the yoga thing. When I first tried it, I think the very first 
yoga class that I went to was hot vinyasa yoga. Where? And it was at the Y, mm-hmm. downtown Birmingham. And I liked the principle behind yoga, and I really liked the way that I felt afterwards because I could tell immediately a difference in my body was just loose. Yeah. It wasn't stiff. And what I didn't like about it was the heat. Yeah. I don't do heat. I would much rather do cold than heat. But cold and yoga don't really go together. So, you know, I do really enjoy the yoga. And I also have some lower back problems. So yoga has been a big help with that and, you know, really getting, getting me stretched out and more mobile. So definitely, you guys, if you haven't tried yoga, try it. And you guys, you males, you need to go to yoga. <laughs> that's hey, all. I'm, I'm not going to say anything else. Andy, go. that's where I met what, man. That's where I met my wife. So I, I was going to a yoga class and she was a teacher. Yeah, I have met your wife and um, you did good. I you outkicked your coverage, for sure, no man. doubt, no doubt. Males, guys, go to yoga. It will help you be a better hunter, and it will be very enjoyable experience for you as well. You'll feel better, but that'll keep you motivated to go. <laughs> Just try it once. I'm not saying anything else. Okay, John, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come do the call with me and go through some of this stuff. You know, and it's really... Well, like I said at the beginning of the call, it's an unconventional topic for a turkey hunting podcast. Sure. But I am a firm believer in it because I have experienced it. And I know the difference that it makes in being in better shape and being out in the woods. And there's so many more things that I can do now at the age of 45 being in better shape than I could at the age of 32 or 33 in the shape that I was. And I wasn't overweight or anything at 32 or 33. I'm not overweight at 45, as you know, but it's amazing what time at the gym, doing some weightlifting, doing some cardio, doing an iron tribe where you're combining those things into a, into a short workout because everybody's busy. It's amazing what that will do to make it easier and better for you in the woods. You'll have a much more enjoyable time out there. And I appreciate you, John, taking the time to go through a lot of that with us today. Absolutely. Well, I was uh, happy to be uh, on your podcast, Andy. And anytime, man, love to talk to you. And for those listening, if you're around, Google Iron Tribe, see if there's one near you. And man, just call in and and go see if it's a good fit. They always do free fitness consultations and tell them about your goals as a hunter. And I'm sure that they can help you out. Absolutely. I do recommend Iron Tribe as well. So you guys do that. John, thanks a bunch, buddy. I'm going to let you get back to your new bride and let you get back to your evening and some of the paperwork that I know you have to do as well. Thanks, Andy. (laughs) I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Have a great evening. I'll talk to you later. Take care. All right. Goodbye. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with John. He's very passionate about what he does, and that passion comes through in this interview. During the interview, I told you guys a story of my Nebraska hunt where I was breezing up and down 1,000-foot elevation changes like there was nothing to it. I've always been a runner. Not the fastest, not the best, but I've always been strong at it. And I took this trip to Nebraska while I was doing cardio training with two former Olympic athletes. And at the age of 31, before I went on this trip, I actually ran my fastest time in a mile run that I'd ever run in my life, even through my years of being on the high school track team. 
being in good shape on this hunt helped me kill a turkey. One of the guys on the trip with us went home empty-handed from the trip because he quit. He could not handle the physical demands of the hunt. So I'm a true believer in this. And another time when being in shape helped me kill a turkey happened right here in Alabama at my hunting camp. And one morning I went out and I had a turkey gobbling on the roost, but he was about a half mile from me. By the time I got to him, he had flown down. And he had flown down and was in a very open oak flat. And he was gobbling. Well, on the edge of this oak flat is a road. Just really, it's a four-wheeler trail. It's not even a road. But the four-wheeler trail runs through some scrub from where several of the big oak trees had fallen. And there's this early successional growth coming up. So there's briars, there's sweet gum trees, there are young oak trees and young pine trees in this area that used to have huge oak trees in it. This was several years after we had a hurricane come through and actually knocked down some of those big trees. So where these younger, shorter trees are growing, we have a four-wheeler trail coming into there. And I knew from experience that the turkeys like to come out of that oak flat where this turkey was gobbling, get to that road, follow that road to one of our food plots. Well, I made a beeline for that road. I got to where this early successional growth was, and I stopped. I was where I wanted to be, but there was nowhere to go. There was nowhere to sit for me to prepare for this turkey to come in. So I stood, and I stood holding my gun at pretty much half draw because I knew when the opportunity presented itself for me to take a shot, it was going to have to be a quick draw. And if I could get half drawn, I stood a lot better chance than I did not being drawn at all. So I'm standing there with the gun at half draw, waiting on this turkey that I'd called to, to come out of this oak flat and hit the road that I was standing on where I knew he wanted to be. And I waited and waited and waited. And after about 10 to 12 minutes, he finally stepped into the road at about eight steps. He had walked along the edge of that thick stuff, and I could not see him. And where he walked into the road was about eight steps from me. I was able to get my gun up the rest of the way and take a shot after standing there and holding it at half draw for that long a period of time. Had I not been spending some time in the gym, lifting some weights, getting in better shape, I'm convinced I wouldn't have killed that turkey because I would have had to have put my gun down. I would have been too tired from having my gun half drawn to be able to take a shot at him when he stepped out into the road because when he stepped out in the road, he saw me right away. So that's another situation where being in better shape and spending time at the gym really helped me to be able to have success on a hunt. There are numerous other times, but we're not going to get into all those. So you really want to fine-tune your hunting skills, you still got time to do something additional this spring, whether it's yoga, cardio, weights, or a combination of all of the above. Make a small change in your normal routine and fit in some time to make you better. Besides, exercise time is a great time to listen to the Turkey Hunter podcast. Okay, just a couple more things before I turn you loose for the week. I mentioned earlier in the show about a promotion with a call maker that I'm doing starting now. Jim Pollard with Pollard's Elite Game Calls has donated a call for me to give away to you guys. I have this call in my hand and it is a great sounding glass call. 
Now, personally, I've never been a big fan of a glass pot and peg call, but I played a few of them over this past weekend that I really like, and this is one of them. I'm going to just give you a little run of this call here, and I haven't conditioned it since I got the call from Jim, so this is what she sounds like. So that's a little sample of a few calls on that glass call. It is a sweet sounding call. So to register for the call giveaway, all you have to do is text the word Pollards. That's P-O-L-L-A-R-D-S. No capitals, no apostrophe, no punctuation, just Pollards. P-O-L-L-A-R-D-S. Two, four, four, two, two, two. That's Pollard's, and you're going to text that to 44222. So from there, just follow the instructions, enter your email address. It will take you about 15 seconds to register. And I'm making a promise to you, I am not collecting your phone number. So when you text Pollard's into 44222, I'm not collecting your phone number. I'm not going to call you in the middle of the night and ask you to buy an old pair of shoes or some dirty underwear from me. Now, I am going to be collecting your email address, but I'm making a second promise to you. I will never, ever spam you. Here's why. My email address is on a spammer's list who will not delete my address from his list. And if I can ever get my hands on whoever it is that has me on that list, it will not be a pretty thing. Anyway, I digress. So go ahead and register for the giveaway today. I'll stop all registrations at midnight Central Standard Time on leap year day. So February the 29th at midnight, I will stop all registrations. I will pick a winner on Tuesday, March the 1st, and I'll email the winner to get a name and mailing address and ship the call that day. Now, I'm going to pause for a few seconds to let you just go ahead and register now. All right, good luck to you. I hope that you win it. Okay, I have a little something extra for you now. I told you guys that I was going to bring you interviews from the convention last week, but I didn't really see many products that were new and exciting for me to do an interview on. In fact, I only saw one product there that got me pretty fired up. I think you guys will like it as well, and I want you to go check out their website. But here to tell you all about the product and to give you the web address are Tim and Chris Seaton with Rugged Cross Blinds. Hey everybody, I am here with Chris Seaton and Tim Seaton with Rugged Blinds, and they have a new product that's out. It is a really fantastic hunting blind, and they've got several different kinds. And I'm going to let Tim and Chris tell us all about them. How are you guys doing today? Good, sir. And yourself? Good. Doing Thank well. you for having us. 
Thank you guys for taking time out of the crazy schedule today. A lot of folks coming through here, and you guys have caught a lot of attention from a lot of people. So tell tell us a little bit about what you got here with the blinds and what makes them unique. Well, basically what we have is uh, we have a fully extruded aluminum product that we built. I'm a licensed contractor in Florida, so basically took the concept, you know, of hunting, hunting blind. My brother, he's a big hunter, so he approached me about the idea of, you know, coming up with something easy for him and his son to hunt out of. So we went to the drawing board, came up with a design and, you know, the windows and everything, put it together, and uh, basically it's a full 360 unobstructed view. Can't see in, but you can see out, up, down, left, right, all the way around. It's a lightweight product, weighs about 100 pounds. Uh, easy to elevate. It's just a great product. Yeah, this thing is is awesome. You get inside of it, and literally, I mean, there there's nothing you can't see. And so, I mean, obviously, for me, that's one of the things I don't like about sitting in a, a regular shooting house or you know, a regular blind is not being able to see and just having the the windows to look out of. It's a little bit too much like sitting at the house. You know, if I'm going to be outside, I want to be outside. But I see this as being a huge benefit for kids. So have y'all been getting a lot of interest in that? Yeah, I mean, the reason why we first came up with the concept when I approached him, you know, about it is I, I didn't want my, my son to be in a blind where you were, we're constantly, well, I'm trying to, you know, take a shot, and he's trying to look through the same window. So we won't kind of develop something that was big enough for the kids to move around in. And we're the only blind out there that has that true 360-degree view, unobscured. I mean, the only thing you're, you're seeing is those little 2 by 2 frame, you know, the post. But my son, you know, he can do his iPad, color in his coloring books, he eats. I mean, he can move around wherever he wants, and, he, you know, the movement, when he sees a deer, he can stand up. You know, the deer's not going to see you. It's kind of crazy. It's one of those, you have to see it to believe it yeah. type thing. And um, we... We want to get the, um, the kids involved, this uh, industry and the outdoors, you know, we want to get as many kids as we can out there. So uh, this is a great product for grandfathers out there, dads, to let their kids, you know, have a good time without constantly saying, hey, set still, set still, or don't move too much. Yeah. Now, we got to work on the voice a little bit, but uh, we, we haven't critiqued that yet. But we we're, we're, sound we're, yet, yeah, so. we're, we're trying, but... <laughs> You know, we're, we're, uh, we've been blessed, and, you know, when we first made this concept, you know, uh, guys like uh, Backwoods Life, Michael Lee, you know, really helped us out a bunch, and um, helping us uh, get with Realtree, and being with Realtree, those guys have been great. We, we've got a lot of supporters out there, and uh, we've been really blessed uh, by that. And, you know, our, our company's faith-based. That's where we got the name Rugged Cross, uh, Hunting Blinds, and we do a lot with, um, you know, some ministries down in Tampa, uh, FCA Outdoors. Who uh, we love, and I'm on the board there, okay. and um, hit Hunters in Christ the Kingdom, and uh, they do a lot of hunts for kids disabled, and we help them out by making a wheelchair accessible screen doors for them. Okay. So we, you know, we built them custom. We just made uh, Jason Odom. Timmy came up with it, and um, he kind of gave us the specs. A football player, uh, NFL football player, and we made it what eight by six. Yeah, maybe it was. Uh, it was eight. It was eight, eight by six. The peak of the roof was uh, six eight. Six eight six oh, six inside. Yeah. yeah, it was I huge. I could have put my dining room table in there. Yeah, I mean we offer you know three standard sizes, you know, which is five and a half by five. But you know we can custom, you know, make them. And we also offer you know all of the real tree prints. And also, which is a cool feature, is we can uh, you can take a you know high def picture with your phone or a camera, and we can actually print that on our screen mesh. So 
It's uh, really cool. And you can just check us out on our website, which is uh, ruggedcrossblinds.com. So. Fantastic. Now, you do have a couple of turkey hunting products, so tell us about that, your, your turkey blinds that you have. You know, we came up, obviously, our blinds are for everybody. You know, it's um, it's all aluminum blind. You know, the price is a little up there, 2100 2400 So what we wanted to do is, you know, for the kids and stuff, develop a product that was mobile, like a panel blind. And I think we did a good job doing it. It's all aluminum. It's like one-by-one one material, and we have the same mesh material that we have on our hunting blinds. And it allows 37% of the wind through, but it actually cuts wind still. And that's the same with our blinds now. It, everybody thinks our our material is a screen, like a screen window or something. It's not. It's durable. Um, it takes 160 pounds per square inch to puncture our screens. So what we did is we wanted to get something that was mobile and that can help young dads, grandfathers come out, you know, and, and um, for a little bit less money. And you know, they start out at 2.99. It's a blind you set behind. Our 26 inch are mainly for turkeys. Weighs nine pounds. And it's great. And then we have a bigger model, 36, which basically for a six foot, 5'11 male, we have set in a hunting blind chair. Yeah. And uh, the top rail of that blind acts as, as a rest for your rifle, gun, shotgun, whatever. And on the other side, it's big enough, it's 72 inches wide, where you can have your son, daughter, you know, on the ground playing. And you say, oh, here, there's a deer, and they can look right through the stream. They don't have to you know, pop their head up or, I mean, how many times have you had, you know, it been in a blind and say, hey, no, don't, don't look, don't, yeah, just wait. Don't move. And they miss the whole, you know, the whole greatness of hunting. Right. You know, killing that animal, you know, and, and, and having a good time. These guys can just see right through it. Kids love it. And um, we got it priced right. And that was just released this Wednesday on the Real, our Realtree.com just released it, did a press release for us. Right. So we're excited about it. Yeah. Well, I encourage you guys to go out and check out the website at Rugged Cross Blinds and check this out. I really feel like there's going to be a lot of use for this and you know, that this is something that if you've got kids and you want to get them in the outdoors and let them experience everything that there is to experience and keep them interested, this is probably a product you need to take a serious look at and invest in. So, Tim and Chris, thank you guys. I appreciate it and uh, wish you a lot of luck here at the show. All right, I do encourage you guys to go check out these blinds online. And if you own or lease some property where you want to take a kid hunting, I just don't think you can go wrong with one of these blinds. The blinds are awesome, and so are the guys that run the show over there at Rugged Cross Blinds. So check them out online, and if you're interested, give those guys a call. I can tell you from seeing these things in person, they are incredible, and they're very well built. All right, that's all for today. I'm working on another something special for you guys for next week, so be sure to tune in for that as well. In the meantime, please forward, share, and like this on social media. Please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave a five-star rating and a review. Also, subscribe to the show. Subscribing is free and will ensure that you receive notification of new shows as they are posted. Lastly, be sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices, and I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Run that call, girl. You got to pick it up off desk if you're going to play it.
your star. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.